Um, for about five years, this has been one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. And I find myself coming back to this passage in John over and over again. And I think the reason why I enjoy this passage so much is that I find it enormously helpful for me as I grapple with difficult aspects of my Christian faith. When I was in sixth form and in university, I kept finding myself in social contexts in which the majority of people were both not Christians and very liberal. And they would find themselves authentically amazed and confused and baffled by the Christian faith that I had. They were confused by the fact that I thought that there was such a thing as truth and the fact that I thought there was uh, a greater explanatory power than science. And I, very dutifully as the good Christian I was, tried to offer a reason for the hope that I had, as the Apostle Paul said that we should. But there were many times when my answers fell quite flat. Um, and when, after I had given my answers to my friends, they were even more amazed and confused and baffled by what I believed. And I think in part why this happened is because the Christian faith is not fully explicable. There is a mystery and a paradox in what we believe. Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What does that mean? We read that now to a reference to what happens in communion. But what exactly happens in communion as we eat consecrated bread and wine that is to us the body and the blood of Jesus? I don't fully know. But maybe Graham does, so we could ask him. In part, the Christian faith is not fully explicable because of this mystery and paradox. However, I think there was another reason why my teenage explanations to my friends fell a bit flat, and that was because I didn't have the vocabulary to explain to them some of the things I believed. I didn't have the concepts. I hadn't thought and read deeply enough about the things I really believed. When many of the disciples hear Jesus' teaching, they find it hard and confusing. They say this teaching is hard and who can accept it? We see in John 6, 66, that many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed Jesus. It was confusing and it didn't make sense and then they pulled out. Then we see um, as we follow on that Jesus then turns his eyes to his 12 disciples. He asks them, he asked the twelve, do you want to leave as well? Simon Peter responds to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Quite often, I find myself reading things in the Bible that don't make that much sense to me. I find when my, question, my friends ask me questions about the coherence of Christian faith, I don't always know what to say. And quite often I find myself giving answers to myself or to other people that don't feel quite as sparkly and quite as certain as I would like them to. And in those moments, I'm reminded of Simon Peter in John 6, when he says, Lord, who else can I go to? You have the words of eternal life. 
And I know that you are the Holy One of God. That's the thing I know for sure. Where else can I go? I've come to believe that Jesus does have the words of eternal life. I find that attitude of Simon Peter enormously helpful and of enormous support, and I hope that you will too. In the Gospels, Jesus promises remarkable things. He says that his flesh and blood are real food and drink. He says that the person who wants to gain their life has to lose it. He says that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus promises many remarkable things in the gospel. And it can be easy. And I find it easy sometimes to not really understand them. When I look around the world, I say, what do they really mean? And I found it helpful in moments like that to remember the words of Simon Peter, to say, as he did, I may not understand everything today, but maybe tomorrow. Amen. Oh,